Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, uh, coming to you on a Monday evening. Great weekend of sports. Uh, one of those a uh, little bit slow weekends, but we have the UFC to talk about. We're going to preview the Super Bowl coming up, and we're going to be able to get into some NBA talk. Uh, but first, I've got some rants to give. I got some really, really big rants to give. Uh, I know how our viewers and listeners sometimes like that. And sometimes I get some uh, backlash, but hey, uh, you know, I just, I need to get it off my chest. And uh, Jason's here. Uh, hopefully I can get it off on his, uh, yeah, at him. He doesn't uh, bite me back, but uh, you, you probably got a few rants to give too, don't you, Jason? Well, if, if it's about, the nonsense I had to deal with, like downtown, as I was getting my hair cut and then trying to leave downtown, and then wondering why is everybody honking their horns? What is happening right now? You know what I actually thought? I thought we won gold in the Winter Olympics, and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know people were watching it that much. That's 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 incredible. We have a lot of people interested in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, I wish. I wish that was the reason why we were seeing the Canadian flags and hearing all yeah. the honking. That uh, is that does happen when we win, uh, you know. But uh, no, it was for a much worse reason, and that's definitely one of the things that I I needed to get off my chest. I'm really sick of uh, the way these guys are going about their protest. Uh, I think they're disrupting a lot of people's lives. Uh, I heard that uh, a lot of people were actually having a hard time sleeping because the honking's going on all night long. Uh, you know, it's not fair. Uh, you know, you want people to be on your side, don't you, when you have a, you know, protest and you really want to get some public support. Uh, it's not really good to piss people off, interrupt the traffic like crazy, uh, interrupt their sleeps. Uh, I think, um, you know, they're going about this the very wrong way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And also, too, even from one of our co-workers who was on about the fact that she was getting her booster shot and she's getting razzed, degraded, like, like, like discriminated against as she's just going to get her booster shot. Jesus. She's just, she's just going to get her booster shot. Wow. And people are up against her for getting her booster shot. And it's just like, are, are you are you kidding me? Come on, man! Like that—that's ridiculous. That's utterly—it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it shouldn't be happening like that. Not like that. I've been—I've uh, been part of the media for most of my life, and I think uh, media is, for the most part, really great. Uh, I think it's a necessary thing in our society, and and these guys have been attacking the media, saying they're spreading lies, they're uh, you know putting out uh, false truths, they're. Uh, helping the government, uh, you know, with with the uh, putting out rhetoric and uh, they're getting abused, they're getting beat up, they're getting their uh, equipment stolen and, and broken. Uh, you know, there's just there's just so many things that are just been outrageous with the way that they're going about this. And and, uh, you know, I think the public support is just going to be down to the point where it's like, OK, throw them all in jail, get them out of here. We don't need these guys in society. And. Uh, you know, I don't understand why they would take such extreme me measures, stopping people from going about their daily life, just going to get a booster shot, like you say, and somebody's getting harassed. Like, uh, that's not that's not really the, the you know how they should be going about this. This is ridiculous. 
No, it is. It it's definitely not the way they should be going about it. But then, then not only do you have the protests like against vaccinations or whatever the heck, and then you have the pro part of it. Right. But then they're trying to stop the convoy. And you know what happens when you try to stop the convoy? Now no traffic gets through. Yeah. Nobody gets to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my goodness, I cannot. I just, I, I was just beside myself. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like I was like, are you, are you kidding me right now? And yeah. on top of all of that, huge construction going on in the city, especially down the Broadway corridor. Now you're definitely not going anywhere. Yeah. You're not doing anything. Like it's just- <laughs> yeah, it's gridlock, gridlock city, and uh, yeah, it's not good at all. Uh, they they've been demanding for Trudeau to uh, do a lot of things, and uh, he came out with uh, some comments today. Uh, he oh. got COVID for the second time, and he's he's in isolation right now. Uh, did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear that. Maybe that's for the best. So he's just like, yeah, can somebody else deal with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's too bad because uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, they said there was a lot of essential workers and truck drivers were essential workers and uh, public opinion on essential workers were, you know, people were banging on pots and pans and they were putting up signs there. Thank you so much for allowing us to get food and supplies and all these great things. Everybody was happy with nurses and doctors and, and all the people that were essential workers and truck drivers were in that. And now they've lost all of that that they've gained by, you know, putting on these crazy protests. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I don't, I, I hope we can get it, put a stop to it very soon. I would like to see a stop to it. I don't know what the answer is to all of this though, so that we can see uh, uh, like uh, some sort of, I guess, common ground. I, you know what? Forget that. There is no common ground here. It, it, it just isn't. Like I, I don't think that's a thing either. But at the same time, this can't continue. Like it, it's just, it's becoming even more divisive as time goes on. Yeah. That's what I. I know. Yeah, uh, we see it south of the border. Our friends uh, down in the U.S. Uh, it's become a, a very divided society, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I was hating, I'm hating to see that here north of the border because we've been usually able to be all as one, but um, yeah, we're becoming a very divided society and uh, yeah, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not the way we should be. We, you know, we should all be coming together, getting through this together. It's uh, almost two years of it and we all want it to be over for sure, but uh, this isn't the way to uh stop it and yeah move forward i i definitely don't think that this is this is gonna get anybody uh yeah get their cause heard and uh but yeah i'm done with that for sure done 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 um last week i got a lot of comments about this uh amazing shawshank redemption uh <laughs> quote uh point you made and stuff so uh while we're uh, while we're here tonight doing this podcast uh, feel free to Put in another great uh, movie quote or uh, something great that uh, yeah, get some more talk. Uh, I couldn't believe all the all the comments and stuff I got about this Shawshank Redemption quote. It was pretty great. That just came out of nowhere. Boom. Yeah, it, it really did. Like I just I thought about it and I thought about just 
how rough the man had it. And it just came to me like that. And I'm just like, yeah, that's going to work. That works. <laughs> because it, it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. He went through 12 years of purgatory to finally make it to the Rams and then get everything that he ever wanted. Where it's just like, man, this this is what a good team is like. This is what it feels like yeah. to win. <laughs> oh, I love this. this yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I saw him uh, talking with Jarvis Landry today, and he was heaping a ton of praise on Jarvis. And he said, outside of my dad, you've been one of the men that have um, really uh, been super influential in my life. And, and I'm going to the Super Bowl, but it's, you know, your guys are able to, you know, uh, get the glory through me. And it was a really good conversation, really good exchange. He was very humble. And he was, uh, you know, super appreciative of all his teammates and especially Jarvis Landry. Uh, uh, I'm going to try to post it on the comments, uh, but try, try to find it. Uh, any of the viewers and listeners uh, and Jason. Uh, yeah, really good. A really good conversation between the two of them. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That That's that's always good when when an athlete gets to the pinnacle, but remembers where he came from and pays respect to those that got him there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was listening to the radio today and they were talking about uh, Bob Marley and it's his, uh, I think, uh, I think they said 72nd birthday coming up maybe tomorrow. And uh, they were talking about redemption song and you, you were saying Shawshank redemption and it sort of started crossing over for me a little bit. And uh, I guess one, uh, one really big quote in that redemption song was uh, from a speech by a Canadian, last name of Garvey. Don't remember if I know remember his first name, but uh, it was a Canadian guy from the East Coast, and he had uh, stood up for a lot of uh, Black civil rights uh, in Canada back then. And um, Bob Marley took some of his quotes from this speech and put it in that redemption song. So uh, I'm going to also put these um, notes in the uh, in the notes here on YouTube. Uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, yeah, kind of amazing that I didn't realize that uh, that a Canadian guy had some quotes. Um, yeah, in that in one of Bob Marley's biggest songs ever. Yeah, and that's well, that just shows you the greatness of Bob Marley. He was able to reach everybody, regardless of race, gender, culture. Like his words just resonated with everyone uh, because he was able to pick people that had powerful words to say that resonated with people yeah. and then he was able to do that through song and verse and give it to uh -huh. the masses and that's what made him bob marley yeah absolutely love it yeah uh i got some great news today too um uh you were you've you've always really uh disliked this guy and you uh started warming to him i think a lot of people started warming to him over the last couple of years but he finally and uh, tom brady finally announced uh his retirement last week uh but today he said um uh when somebody asked him uh, would you ever think about coming out of retirement he said you never say never uh duh, duh, don't 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 do that. Don't play with my emotions, Tom. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. 
I don't was, think I was stunned when he said that. I was thinking that he was sticking to his guns, especially a week later, to actually go back and say, Oh, you never say never, you know, six months from now when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking, yeah, I could play this again. Uh, getting back into it. Uh, yeah, that was pretty stunning. I think a lot of people probably choked on their cereal this morning, on their lunch today. Uh, yeah, hearing that, uh, I, I, I'm not totally shocked because, um, you know, he still got it. He still, you know, was one of the best QBs, if not the best QB in the league, but he said, you never say never. He's up for, he was up, he's up for MVP consideration. Yeah. And it was his last year. <laughs> hey, hey, he's 44. He had the most passing yards and the most touchdowns. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it, everything he's done up to this point don't make any sense. It's almost as if he just wants to keep rubbing your nose into the fact that, hey, anybody that doubted me, I'm the greatest. I'm the best quarterback you've ever seen. I might just come out of quarterback, come out of retirement just to prove it once again that I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, he definitely might. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock the world. I don't either, yes, but yeah, it's. I kind of, I think he shocked quite a few people when he did retire, but um, yeah, I guess he's still staying relevant and in the news anyway. A week after he retired, he's not going to hit the golf course. Uh, he's not going fishing. He's he's going to keep everybody guessing. Now you know what you know what I need. I need Giselle to say no, Tom. No, you're staying home. <laughs> you're going to be the loving father that you've always been. No, but now you're just going to be present for the kids. You know. <laughs> It's just, that's all you got to do. I'll go to work. I'll make the money. Well, she already made the money, but, but she'll continue to make money. Yeah. All he has to do is just be like, now, now actually what Tom can do, be trophy husband. He's a trophy husband. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's not a bad job. Not a bad job. If you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on to some not as great news. Uh Bef uh, after we did our last podcast, uh, Brian Flores came out with uh, the news that he was suing the NFL, a uh, few teams. He was uh, taking them to task for um, not uh, for sort of a sham way of pretending that they he was in the running for uh, NFL jobs. Uh, there was eight um, openings in the NFL after the season. Uh, eight coaches were fired. And uh, we've had seven coaches now uh, be hired, uh, all of them white guys. Uh, supposedly, the Texans are expected to hire Lovey Smith as their head coach. Uh, he <laughs> was their defensive coordinator last season, would be the second black guy uh, after Mike Tomlin with Pittsburgh. But, um, yeah, what was your reaction to it all and, and how it's shaken out uh, that – uh, you know, out of 32 teams, uh, looks like probably only two black head coaches going into next season. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because that's always been there in the NFL. There's always been a ceiling for black men in the NFL. You can rise to a certain level, and then that's it. That's as far as you go. It's always been there in the NFL. People can argue it as, as much as you want. 
but the history is there and the proof is in the pudding. It's right there in front of your face. It's always been there and it will continue to be there until, well, somebody like Brian Flores has to step up and do something like this, which is unfortunately for him, and I know he knows this too, so do the rest of us that are colored or look the same as him, it's career suicide. Yeah. He will be blacklisted because he's done this. Right. Yeah. His career is done and he knows it. So with that being said, he's coming out in a blaze. He's going guns a blazing all out. It's an all out attack because he's had enough. And uh, you know what? I think everybody is applauding him behind the scenes saying, good for you, because this has gone on long enough. He's going to put it out there in the public eye and he's going to put him to task as it should have been done probably a decade ago, 20 years ago. But you know what? Right now is the time where this is a time of change. It's a time of upheaval. Things are changing. Things are moving. I want to believe for the better. And so he's taken upon himself to continue that change. And I think it's going to be a change for the better. Yeah. Uh, he also came out with uh, saying that the owner of the Dolphins had asked him to throw games so they could get better draft picks, um, offering him $100,000 for each loss that he uh, was able to make sure that they did. Uh, he said he refused and was one of the reasons why he got let go. Um, did that kind of shock you that uh, an owner would go to a coach and, and tell him that uh, he wanted them to throw games so they could get better draft position? No, it doesn't. It does. It's shocking that he did it like that and didn't do it through a proxy to protect himself. That's shocking. Yeah. Um, but if he's, but the other thing that's kind of shocking to me is that Brian Flores actually said that he might actually have proof of that. Yeah. That could be very problematic for the owner because that can lose your NFL franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I, I would think it would be hard to prove it if it was just a conversation. But if it was a, an email or a text or a recorded conversation, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested uh, to see what shakes out in the next little while. I have not yet read the 68-page document that was thrown down on the table when they did this lawsuit. But, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see all the things that come out of it. Um, yeah, I sure hope we can figure out. There's been a Rooney rule in place for the past 10 years or more, uh, but it has not um, been able to do what they wanted it to, to do and uh, have a lot more diversity in, in hiring head coaches. Uh, yeah, eight positions, seven white guys, and possibly <laughs> Lovey Smith being the uh, only black guy. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem right for a league that is 70% black. And most of these guys, um, once they're done, they would love to be uh, on coaching staffs and, uh, you know, being able to give back to the younger guys that are coming up. And and they do. They, they're assistants and they're this and that, special teams, but they're not the guy. Yeah. And that's the point. They're not the guy. And then on top of everything else, that's great. Lovely Smith gets to coach a head, gets a head coaching gig with one of the worst teams in the NFL, period. Great. <laughs> That's that's great. That's great. I get to coach this team that's going to be garbage for like the next five years. Yeah, Woo! yeah, no doubt. Hey, wow, <laughs> crazy. Uh, the one the one hiring that happened today was 
Uh, Dennis Allen uh, will replace uh, Sean Payton in New Orleans. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator and had a good defense, uh, you know, all power to him. But this will be his second stint as head coach. And his record when he was head coach before was 8-28. and 28. So uh, not exactly uh, woo, great resume coming in there as a head coach. 8-28. and 28. I'm pretty sure there could have been some black coaches out there that uh, had a better record. Than uh. Uh, you froze. Are you good? Yes, yes. Okay, I, I think I can pick up from where you're talking about. 8-28. and 28. So for him to follow after Sean Payton, who is the winningest head coach ever <laughs> in Saints history, to go to Hey, what's that guy's record again? Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, that, We're going to win yeah, a lot that of was, That was pretty eye-opening <laughs> to me. I don't uh, – yeah, I remember part of his tenure. He was in – it was the Raiders head coach, 2010 to 2014 in that area. But, uh, man, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, let's hope things change. Let's hope they can make, uh, you know, some rules worth – some incentives, something that's, you know, going to see, uh, you know, better results. Um, yeah. Cause it's uh, racism is not fair. And, you know, we want to see these guys that have had fantastic NFL careers be rewarded and go in and into the coaching ranks. Uh, you know, it works great in the NBA. We've seen a lot of uh, coaches uh, win championships there. It, it can happen in the NFL too, for sure. hundred percent. Of course it can. Of course you can. You just need to be given a chance. Yeah. And that's all they're asking is a chance. They're just asking for a fair and equitable playing field, which it isn't right now. It yeah. by it far and away isn't. You can just see it within the coaching hires. It's pretty clear. I watched some of the Pro Bowl yesterday, and uh, I puked about six times. Uh, it was so brutal. <laughs> it was so freaking brutal. Like, I cannot believe how sad of a football game that is. Like it, it it's just amazing. They they're they're in slow motion. They uh snap the ball and the guys are like pushing each other a little bit. The ball thrown to a guy and you just got to go up and tap them and then boop, whistle's blown. It is so pathetic of football and I'm so scared that that's where the NFL's going to uh with all these rule changes year after year. Oh man, like, oh, it was so terrible. It was just, it was unwatchable. And I, I, I watched it. I, I, I wasted that time of my life, but I, I just, it was like watching a car crash. It was just like, can you believe what I'm witnessing here? It was just, it was sickening. Yeah, of course. How about this? It was so bad that even our boss, Barry, brought it up to me and said, so Jason, uh, how long has the Pro Bowl been like that? I go, long time, man. Long time. <laughs> like, like, it's to the point now where they might as well just change up the whole dynamic and just make it a skills competition. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And just not even bother with the game because the game has liability issues for these players who don't want to get hurt doing it. Yeah. Because they have an offseason to train for for the next, you know, upcoming season. They're not, there's no interest there. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to tackle. It's like basically they're going through a practice or a scrimmage. Oh, man. Yeah, it was 
I want to see that. It was just so shocking how bad it was. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I just kept watching them snap the ball and thinking to myself, <laughs> really, this is how sad it is. Like they would not even touch the guy. The only guy that I actually saw playing on defense was Max Crosby. He ended up getting MVP on defense. He, uh, it was his in in his home stadium, so he really wanted to put on a show. I think he had. A ton of friends and family that he got tickets for. Uh, he ended up getting a couple sacks. He got a few tackles, passes defended. Uh, and the other guys were like, what the hell are you doing, man? That's not how we play this game. What are you doing? Uh, he wanted to get MVP, I guess. I don't know if he got some extra money here. I don't know. Just trying to show off to his family. But holy crap, nobody was caring at all. It was, yeah, oh, it was shockingly bad. It was the... It had to be the worst football game that's ever played in the history of man. It was so bad. Well, you know what? But if you look across all the professional leagues, they're all going like that. Like every single one of them are like that. I, I want to say this. I think the last good all-star game that I saw being played was when Michael Jordan was playing. All mm -hmm. right. Okay. And Jordan was the kind of mentality of the fact of nobody beats me ever, right. no matter what game I'm playing. Right. I will always put on a show. Yeah. And then that mentality resonated with all his Hall of Fame compatriots saying, what? Michael wants to go that hard? All right. I want to beat Michael. Let's do this. <laughs> and then it was a basketball right. game. The intensity was up there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah, it was good to see. Uh, you remember when I, I talked about the Pro Bowl being in uh, Vegas and I said, you know, I was worried about it, just like I was worried about the Vegas having a team. And we saw with the Raiders, a lot of guys were arrested and a lot of bad things were coming out uh, for these young guys in, in such a, uh, a an environment that doesn't lend to smart decisions. Well, did you hear um, one of the stars got arrested as soon as the game ended? No, no. I'm not surprised to hear that, but no. What happened? Uh, Alvin Kamara was, uh, as soon as he walked off the field, the sheriffs came up to him, read him his rights, handcuffed him, and took him to jail. Uh, he's been <laughs> charged with aggravated battery that uh, has led to significant injuries to an individual that uh, he encountered at a casino. Uh, him and some friends were at a casino and, uh, by some elevators. Some guy came up and started, I think, uh, they say that he started uh, mouthing him off, saying some, saying some things to them. Uh, suddenly somebody punched him. And then Kamara is shown on video punching him eight different times. And then his friends started jumping on him and uh, he got kicked and, and stomped on. I think he got stomped on about 20 times or something like that. And he's, this guy's pretty hurt. And uh, yeah, Kamara was in, is, was in jail. He got out on bail, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the preeminent running backs in the NFL uh, ends up spending Sunday night after the Pro Bowl in prison. What, what's wrong with you, man? Yes, you, you play football, you're a celebrity, and you're also a target. People in, in Vegas, a lot of people are drunk. 
A lot of people are going to take their shot. It's up to you to be the bigger man and just walk away. That's all you got to do. You don't have to take it, man. Just walk away. Or better yet, get the casino security to deal with the individual. Don't do that. That's it. That's all you got to do, man. Sometimes I know in in the moment it's hard to think, but you better think or else that's going to happen to you. And that's going to happen to you every single time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I guess, you know, I, I saw it coming. The NFL should have saw it coming. Uh, you know, these players should have saw it coming. Uh, this guy's going to sue them obviously. And, uh, you know, try to get his, his money and his, you know, 15 minutes of fame, but, um, yeah, you can't take the bait and, uh, yeah, it was just, Horrible news. Uh, he was already speculated to be on the outs in New Orleans. They decided they want to move on from him. Uh, this will not help. And uh, there was speculation that the Seahawks were interested in bringing him on, uh, but um, he might be sort of untouchable for teams like we've seen some of these other players that get in trouble with the law. Um, guys, you know, our organizations don't really want to, be involved in case this guy goes to prison for a while, uh, you know, sully some of the other uh, young talent on the team. So, uh, yeah, terrible thing to happen to this guy that got beat up and to Alvin Kamara and, and his friends uh, and family. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think having these things in Vegas is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because they're targets. It's Vegas. It just... You know, it's excess to the extreme. That's what right. Vegas will give you. That's what Vegas is all about. And then these guys with a lot of, I, I don't know, quote unquote, disposable income. Yeah, that's a recipe for a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. Um, tonight was NFL opening night. They have a, a big um, fans rally in LA and uh, there's been tons of things going on tonight. Uh, there'll be festivities throughout the week. Uh, I'm really happy that there's teams back in LA. I'm happy the Super Bowl's there. Uh, this is a city that is um, destined for holding these massive events there's going to be so many celebrities there. There's going to be so many parties. Uh, this could be one of the, a lot of people's best week of their lives here. I can't wait for all the fun to come out of this week. Uh, hopefully we won't see any more arrests, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a great week leading up to, uh, I think we're going to see a fantastic Super Bowl. I would love for it to end that way. I would love for pretty much maybe i would say the greatest playoff year in yeah. the nfl i've ever seen and maybe and i would imagine any nfl fan has ever seen with an immaculate super bowl a very close super bowl a well-played super bowl because that's what this season deserves that's absolutely what this season deserves oh, it does yeah you're right an amazing halftime show, too. Uh, they've decided to get five, not just one celebrity singer. Uh, they've got five of them. I don't know how they're all going to be able to fit it into a halftime show, but um, this is going to be epic, too. Uh, this could be one of the greatest concerts ever put on. Well, they got like a rap and R&B Hall of Fame of people, you know, like like that. It, it, it's 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 rap royalty right there. Eminem, 
Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige. It literally doesn't get any better than that. It, it doesn't. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I'm glad it's here. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. And, and, you know, as you say, yeah, it's been the greatest NFL season for parody and an amazing amount of great games throughout that whole entire run through the playoffs. And, and let's hope the Super Bowl is epic and it finishes off on a great note. And uh, yeah, we get a amazing halftime show. We get all the Super Bowl commercials. We get, uh, yeah, a lot of people watching and uh, with Cincinnati, it's not one of the biggest television markets. If it was New York and LA, you know, we might see a hundred a million people watching it in the U S but um, I think Joe Burrow moves the needle. And I think this Bengals team is probably uh, going to be, you know, a, a big favor for a lot of people, them wanting them to win because they are the underdog and, and it is Cincinnati who's had a lot of struggles uh, in their franchise's history. Yeah, and they haven't been to the big show in a very, 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 very long time. (laughs) So, you know, like uh, the Cincinnati fans must be over the moon because who would have thought they would have made it to the Super Bowl? Come on, like like, honestly, who would have thought they could have made it to the Super Bowl? Hardcore fans. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. But like, but they made it. They got there. And Joe Burrow got them to the promised land. That's the guy. That's your quarterback of the future. And he's everything that they thought he would be. He's everything they thought he would be. So awesome. Yeah, very awesome. Um, Have you been watching any Olympics? Uh, You know, yeah, yeah. I got some on right now. I think it's skiing. I think it's skiing. Okay. (laughs) It's not, not big on your priority list, is it? (laughs) now you know no (laughs) uh canada so far won six medals one gold one silver and four bronze uh yeah early on but um great to see some of the success already like nice to see the canadian flag waved in patriotism instead of uh you know getting angry about the government and stuff Uh, uh i watched some amazing snowboard cross yesterday and we won a a um, gold and a bronze in the same event. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, we're ninth place currently on the uh, standings. Uh, China, home's team, uh, home country, is uh, first place. Sweden, uh, those cheaters from that Russian country are third. Netherlands, <laughs> Germany, and Norway round out the top six. Uh, those Russians uh, really tried cheating really bad against Canada yesterday. They um, had had some COVID cases and the Russian Olympic team uh, in hockey, women's hockey, uh, they had had a few COVID cases. They all got tested, uh, but they refused to give in the samples. And uh, so Canada said, well, we're not playing them unless they can uh, prove that the people we're playing against don't have COVID. Uh, so they refused to take the ice. Uh, it delayed it by an hour and a half. And finally, the samples miraculously showed up. Uh, they were able to see who uh, was negative or positive. Uh, but then there was a then they said, no, we are we're not uh, believing everything that's happening out of here. And all of us are now wearing masks. So every one of the players wore a mask the entire hockey game. How tough is that? 
How brutal is that? They had to wear a mask the entire game while you're skating, while you're playing super physical game like that. Uh, absolutely brutal. And and Russia, again, you know, they, they're not even called the Russian team anymore. They can't have their song played when they win gold medal uh, because of all the stupid, idiotic things they've done. And just another example of a, a cheating federation and, you know, Canada was like, no, we're not having any of that, but still had to suffer through wearing a mask the entire game. I think Russia has just been like this. We're just going to double down. We're clearly the villains. We're really good at it. And so we're just going to continue being the villain. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are now. That's our identity. Brutal, it's ridiculous. It? No, it's, it's brutal. It's ridiculous no. to the extreme. And it just, it's going to continue. I don't know when they're ever going to get on the right side of good. Maybe that's just who they're going to be from now on in. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't think they should have even been allowed at the Olympics from all the things that they've done. Uh, And obviously in the world of politics, they're, you know, 100,000 troops standing at the border of Ukraine, uh, you know, putting the, the world in jeopardy with another big war. Uh, everybody around the world, except for China, has been against what they're doing here. Um, you know, I think you said you saw Putin there with the Chinese dignitaries uh, trying to look like a good guy, but uh, nothing that the Russians have done has been uh, anything that you can say is good. No. Oh, hold on a second. Was Putin there with the Chinese, uh, Chinese president, shirt off on horseback? He likes to do that every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were both horseback riding uh, shirtless uh, through, <laughs> through the uh, different venues in China there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Putin, I, I mean that in, 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 in just like, I, I'm making a joke here. It's not serious. It's not serious. Don't come and get me. Don't take me out, please. Yeah. It'd be great if you didn't. Oh man, crazy. So crazy. Amazing. Um, I do want to mention that uh, I have a couple uh, upcoming podcasts coming up this week in uh, some of our other genres. Um, one of uh, one of the guys that I've been um, going to for different set designs uh, over the years and you have as well is going to be our one of our podcast guests. Uh, this is Cameron from Concept Neon. Always loved those guys and what they've done uh, for the film industry. And uh, he's going to be an upcoming podcast guest with me uh, probably early next week. Nice. I like that guy. Good yeah. guy, man. That's awesome. Going to be great. It's really great. And I also have uh, the keyboardist for the band Black Mountain. Uh, Jeremy Schmidt will be uh, my guest, uh, we're trying to find a convenient time for both of us to do it. Uh, both of us very busy. Him getting himself ready for a upcoming world tour and me with uh, all the crap that I got going on. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. But uh, just wanted to make people aware. Uh, keep your eyes and ears out. Uh, some two really great guests uh, coming up uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, man, like those are two excellent guests and uh, that's going to be a lot of great content. People need to tune in and hear what they got to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we've got some UFC to break down. I think we're at UFC 40. 
eight uh, from Vegas. Uh, yeah. UFC 200th fight night, I think it was. Uh, another um, another card that uh, had a lot of interesting characters. Uh, Sean Strickland is one of the most interesting characters uh, on the UFC roster. Uh, since coming to middleweight, he has been undefeated. And uh, he was a bit of a favorite going in against Jack Hermanson, even though Hermanson had a higher ranking than him. Uh, this didn't turn out to be uh, one of Strickland's best fights, but he fought smart and did, did enough definitely to get a decision. It was a split decision, which shouldn't have been the case. No. But, uh, he won the fight and uh, probably has one more fight, one more win, and then he probably gets a title shot after that. Um, but yeah, I thought he thoroughly dominated Jack Hermanson in this fight and deserved a unanimous decision for sure. Absolutely, man. Literally jabbed the man to death, controlled the entire the pace of the fight entirely, and made it so that Jack Hermanson thought to himself, I'm not even gonna bother doing takedowns because his takedown defense was so supremely good. Yeah. He didn't even try anymore, I think, after the second or third round. Didn't even make any more attempts. Yeah. And because that, that's how good he was, that's how effective he was. At controlling, um, at, at controlling the fight, and and also too, the one thing that really stuck out to me about Strickland, his economy of motion, very effective at subtle movements to slip punches and kicks from Hermanson. Yeah. He doesn't go out of his way to do big movements; it's just subtle, inches here, there, and he just kept missing. He couldn't find his target, and Hermanson was just getting more and more behind as Strickland was more and more accurate as the fight went on. So there was, uh, as I said, it was a split decision. And after uh, they, uh, Strickland's coach uh, wants, uh, wanted the judge Sal Diamato to be fired, to be removed <laughs> and, and uh, not utilized anymore. Uh, I was quite shocked to see uh, 48 47 uh, card for Hermanson. Uh, when Derek Cleary and Junichiro Camillo both scored this fight 49 46 for Strickland. Um, pretty shocking. Like, I, how could he have seen Hermanson win that? <sighs> he was watching a different fight than everybody else on the planet. Like, it literally it didn't make any sense. Like, I think once. It, it was read as a split decision. Even Hermanson was just like, huh? <laughs> really? Sweet. <laughs> I made it into a split decision. I have no idea how I did that. Even yeah. he was surprised. So if even he's surprised, he knows he lost that fight. Yeah. There's no way that it should have been a split decision. It was pretty egregious in the judging. It was just, it was ridiculous. Like, he's absolutely right. Sometimes I look at these judges and I know that they're coming from a boxing background. It is not a mixed martial arts background. I've said it before. I will say it again. These judges need to have a mixed martial arts background. If they're going to judge on mixed martial arts fights, you extremely disadvantage these guys that put their health and life on the line when they go into the octagon. It's not right. And it's not fair. 
No, yeah, no, it's definitely not fair and it's not right. If, um, you know, bad decisions happen, it can affect the guy's career. It, uh, it can take away his win bonus. It can, it can really, really significantly alter the entire sport. And, uh, you know, we, we've had enough of it. We just do not want it anymore. We want to be supporting an organization and a commission that, that makes it right, that makes it fair, makes it proper. When a guy goes out and he puts his life on the line, he should be able to ensure that the judges are fair and they're, they're competent and they know what they're talking about and what they're doing and how they're judging because uh, it is so frustrating how often we're seeing these split decisions that are just ridiculous. They're just not – nobody else sees the fight this way. How can this guy that's trained – to come in and judge, uh, you know, give a scorecard like that. It was, it's just outrageous and it, and it sheds a negative light on the sport where, you know, we don't want uh, too much negative light on the sport because it is a fantastic sport. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And then this just sullies the sport because like that, that judgment that he made was not based in reality, like whatsoever, not reality. <laughs> I don't know what he was watching. Yeah. None of us do. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's terrible and it's bad. And uh, yeah, we're uh, you know, I know people said you know the the right decision was made, but um, you know, we just yeah, we just don't want to be talking about stuff like this. Uh, it's it's not. It's not the way we want to break down fights. We don't want to talk about horrible judging calls here. Um, the co-main event. Uh, had uh, Nick Maximoff uh, coming out of Compton. Uh, he, or no, story Stockton out of the Diaz camp, uh, undefeated fighter. Uh, he was coming in as an underdog, but uh, he pulled out a decision against a, a really tough Puna Soriano. Uh, it was, a, yeah, a good performance by uh, the undefeated Maximoff. He did the right thing. He imposed his will and kept wrestling the man. I'm going to be honest, I was super impressed with Soriano's defensive wrestling throughout the entirety of this fight. I think Maximov was impressed as well because his defensive wrestling was on point. And the flexibility that Soriano has in his hips, I believe, really gave Maximov some trouble. I don't think he was expecting that whatsoever. Yeah. But he kept at it, imposed his will, and made sure that the stand-up didn't stay standing up took him down to the ground immediately because he wanted no part of Soriano on the feet. Guys, hit has hands, hits too hard. He, he took it to where he knew he could win the fight, and that's where he did win it, grappling. Yeah, very true, yeah. Um, Javcat Rakamov uh, probably had the performance of the night, uh, an absolutely incredible display, throwing a spinning heel kick that uh, hit Carlston Harris, uh, grounded, pounded him, uh, and got the TKO win, got 50K for it, and improved his record to 15-0 with 15 finishes. Uh, this is a scary guy. Uh, first fighter ever from Kazakhstan to join the UFC. And, um, yeah, he was kind of the talk of the, the card after that great TKO win. Oh, he... That guy now needs to fight a ranked opponent. I think he's proven that he's got the skills to do it. I uh, took this guy out. 
thing that I, I loved about this fight was his patience. Super patient. He was patient and how he approached Harris. And then when he did the spinning back kick, there was no tell there. I, I, I watched it again. I went back and I'm like, so does he show it? There's no tell. Wow. It was it was beautiful. Beautiful technique. Beautifully done. Great win. But that guy now needs to start fighting some ranked opponents. You got to start putting some ranked guys in that in front of him now. He said he's been uh, compared to Kamzat Chemaev and it, it sort of uh, bothered him. He didn't want to uh, have that comparison, but I guess it's kind of a little bit hard not to because both these guys have come in really uh, went, won in spectacular fashion. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of natural that most people are comparing them to each other. Yeah, it is kind of natural, but I think I know where he's coming from because he's not as loud and boisterous as Chemayev, who just literally calls out anybody and everyone. I think he even called out Brock Lesnar. Like, you know, like, he just gets ridiculous. The, guy, the man's ridiculous. But I understand he's on a high note, it's cool, whatever. But Rachmanov is like, no, I'm kind of more steeped in, what do you call it, reality. So... <laughs> I'm not like that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love the fight and I love to fight the people I'm supposed to fight. So I'm not, I'm not him. I'm very good. He's very good. We're two different people and we can't, and they go about it two different ways. Right. So that's, I think that's more to the point of why he doesn't want to be compared to him. True. He's his own man. Good, good point. Very good point. Uh, okay. The result of the light heavyweight fight that was right before that rock fight, um, had a predicted result, Brendan Allen getting a uh, submission victory. Um, but the uh, what happened yesterday was kind of surprising. Uh, I think it's maybe one of the first times I've ever heard a UFC fighter fire himself from the organization. He has decided he is stepping away. He is taking what he calls a hiatus. He will no longer be a UFC fighter. He was going to continue training guys. No retirement. He said he wants to come back, but he said uh, it's not working out. Uh, and I, I'm shocked that the UFC has given him this much rope over the last couple of years. Uh, he has not won his last eight fights. One uh, draw and seven losses in his last eight fights. So uh, I'm shocked. Usually once a guy loses about four times, uh, he's finished. And um, I thought we were going to hear the UFC say that uh, he, they're moving on, but he pulled the plug on himself. And uh, I don't think we're going to see Sam Elvey back in a UFC cage ever again. I had no idea it was that bad. <laughs> I knew he hadn't won in a long time, but that's like two years, man. Like that's that's a long time. That's a long time for the UFC to give a fighter some rope. Like that that is so tremendously long. Like that is such a long. I, I can't believe that they've done that. I cannot believe that they gave him that much time. Like no. they don't give anybody that much time. No mm. one, no one that much. Time. Oh, so it was, uh, I, I'm, it was, I'm 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 yeah. impressed that Bobby just said. That it, it that this is it that it's done, and also too, Allen Allen's one of the top prospects coming up. He really is, and with that sneaky left hook that he hit him with to drop him in the first place, Albie never even saw it coming. I believe you're right. 
I think this is it. I think it's done. Yeah. Uh, his, his actually, it's been longer than a couple of years. His last, <laughs> his last win was June first, twenty eighteen, over John Volante. Uh, he got a, a split decision win, uh, and then he's lost seven out of his last eight with one split draw in the mix. So, um, yeah, shocking. Uh, we've heard so many other fighters uh, off the roster with three losses, four losses in a row, uh, never even five. Uh, I think BJ Penn might be the only guy that ever got this much rope at the end of his career, but uh, smiling Sam Alvey is going to have to fight in another organization, I think, if he wants to continue fighting. But, um, yeah, when I noticed that uh, he, hadn't he hadn't won in that long and kept uh, this losing streak going, I was stunned that the UFC had been loyal and gave him that much opportunity. But he probably pulled the plug on him before they did, uh, maybe yeah. just to save face himself. Yeah, man, I, I think so. I think to save some face, to save like a little bit of pride. But yeah, man, that, yeah, that, that I think this might be, this should be it for him because four years, four years, without, yeah. four yeah. years without a win. Man. Almost, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A few months away for four years. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, we should uh, try to fly through. Um, I definitely want to talk about the fight of the night between. Julian Arosa and Steven Peterson, but do you want to mention anything about Brian Battle, Treshawn Gore? Uh, yeah, two really game guys, and uh, but Battle, um, yeah, he, he beat a really good up and coming prospect in Gore. Yeah, he beat a guy that was too overconfident, okay. and he dismissed Battle in this fight, and he shouldn't have ever done that because Battle came to fight. He can fight. And also, too, he had the perfect uh, game plan for Gore. He just outputted him. More volume. Right. Gore was always looking for the perfect shot. You could tell that the man has power, but he didn't show, he didn't throw enough. Right. And that's how battle beat him. Yeah. Overconfident. Yeah. Way too overconfident. And hopefully he learns from that. Yeah. Movement. Yeah, he had only had four fights in his mixed martial arts career and, uh, you know, uh, takes a loss. Um, I'm sure he'll go back to the drawing board and, and understand what he did wrong. And, uh, yeah, we'll see a, a different fighter coming out for his next uh, fight. Uh, okay, the opening of the main card was uh, fight of the night. Julian Arosa got a decision win over Steven Peterson. This was a, an amazing battle between the two great fighters. Uh, they just went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And, and stood and banged. Uh, Arosa ended up getting a hundred thousand dollars bonus for this because Peterson had missed weight, and yes. so he was able to collect both bonuses. Uh, but these both these guys were game, and uh, this was definitely one of my uh fights of the well, fight of the year, but uh, one of my favorite fights in a really long time, yeah, Arosa really impressed me because he got tagged a lot in this fight. And I give credit to Peterson because he changed the dynamic of the fight in the second round when he figured out my right hand keeps hitting him in the face. I'm just going to keep doing that. And he hit him with that over and over and over again for the second and third round. But Arosa showed me something that I knew that he had, which was heart and will. He just kept taking him and kept coming at him. Yeah. Kept coming at him, man. 
And uh, Arosa deserved this win, really did, because, well, first off, he made weight because he's a professional. Yeah. And then secondly, I am so happy to hear that he got paid a hundred grand. Yeah. He earned every dollar, every penny of that. I am super happy to see that he got paid. Yeah. yeah that, that's so great. Yeah. Awesome. I have the significant strike numbers in this one and it was uh, impressive. We don't see these kind of numbers from, from guys like this very often light heavyweights. Uh, uh, Peterson outstruck him 37, 38 in the first round, uh, 46, 37 in the second round. And then Arosa came back in the third round and had outstruck him 47, 38. So, um, massive amounts of strikes and really, really big bombs. Uh, both these guys have hell of a chin and, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy when a guy you know, sticks to it. The other guy doesn't make weight. He sticks to it. Make sure he gets to the weight and he gets, um, you know, a big bonus getting another extra 50 K for sticking in there and uh, going through this battle and winning a decision. Yeah, man. Because that that's, that's a hundred thousand dollars. That's a game changer. Yeah. That's big money. That's big money for a guy that's uh, still climbing up the rankings, looking for that big contract. So that's uh that's well-deserved. Well-deserved for Julia Rosa. Well-deserved. Okay, let's uh, fly through the, the uh, prelims. Uh, definitely wanted to mention some of our Canadians. Four of them on the card. Uh, Hakeem Dawadu, uh, really love his fighting style and love watching him fight. He pulled out a decision against uh, Mike Tirizano. Uh, what do you think of that performance? I thought it was cl a clinic. Uh, was uh, it was it was a clinic on the feet. Uh, Dawudu was just controlled the fight through his superior footwork, striking, accuracy, all of that. Trezano was there and he was dangerous throughout the entirety of the fight. But whenever Dawudu got hurt somewhat or rocked, close distance, uh, wrestled him, grappled him for a bit so he could clear his head and then went right back to work immediately. Um, it was uh, very very good win against a very tough opponent in Trezano. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. Uh, spot on. Um, unfortunately, the Canadian that fought right before them on the, in the middleweight battle, Mark Andre, the power bar Barrio uh, was not as successful. Uh, he uh, wasn't in there very long, uh, 16 seconds. He got knocked out by GD Nukajuani. Um, yeah, he just, he got caught and, uh, that was pretty much lights out for him real, real quick. Uh, Andrew Kawani had great fates to set up the left, right. And the right came right down the pipe, down the middle. And when Burrell got hit with that, you could see his face go, Oh, that was a doozy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it was over. Man, yeah, and that's too bad because uh, Barrio was the uh, the top Canadian last year. He was the uh, he won two fights, uh, and uh, yeah, no other Canadian had won had went two and zero uh, in the UFC last year. So um, yeah, back to the drawing board real quick. Uh, luckily, he didn't take massive amounts of punishment. Uh, yeah, he was just out there fast and uh, should. Should be able to recover pretty quickly, hopefully. So uh, Alexis Davis was able to get her victory. 
in a decision win over Stoliarenko. Uh, nice to see her getting the win. Uh, and then uh, Malcolm Gordon uh, really put the hurt on on uh, Dennis Bonner. Uh, his arm looked horrible when they showed the replay. Uh, looked like it was broken and possibly dislocated, maybe both. Uh, it was uh, a crazy uh, submission win. And he, uh, well, he ended up giving him a TKO KO. But uh, when Bodner started screaming and they showed the arm, uh, there was no way he's continuing with that. Yeah, that's why you tap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like tap. That, just tap. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say to that. I'll just say, is he going to tap? No, he's going to scream instead. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I guess that's another way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was nuts, man. Oh, that man. was nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that looks like it's going to take a while to heal. Uh, never yeah. never good to see an arm uh, sticking out in that way. Uh, it, didn't, it did not look good. No, it did not look good. Like, you have to understand, it's like, what's the advantage of going to that extent? No. Now you're going to be on the shelf for like months, months. Yeah. Like it's wow. dude. Now, now you just cost yourself money. Just tap. If the guy's got you. It's fine. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you know what? There's going to be another time where you get to fight again, Yeah. but it's kind of hard to fight when your arm is noodled and destroyed. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's look ahead to uh, next weekend's card. We've got uh, a really fantastic UFC 271. Uh, we've got a uh, rematch between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. Uh, Adesanya has been on a hell of a roll, beat all comers, even uh, beating guys twice. Whitaker coming in. Definitely, uh, Whitaker has looked phenomenal in his last uh, few fights, but um, do you think he's been able to evolve his game enough to uh, take out the champ? I don't know, man. That's tough. That's tough. Izzy's that good. And I think my idea of what Robert Whitaker is probably going to have to do in this fight is trap him and take him to the ground. I would like to think he's going to try to stand up for a little bit, but I think even with whatever wrinkles he's going to throw into his, his stand up, is he still going to be better? Yeah, he's still going to be better in the stand up. I, I don't think that's going to change anything. So I think he's just going to have to come with a different mentality, a different approach, and try to wrestle him and get him to the ground. And I think Izzy's going to be prepared for something like that. I think he knows it's like he's going to come at me. He's going to try to take me to the ground, and the one thing that Whitaker has to keep doing is he has to keep doing it. He yeah. has to keep threatening. Yeah. He cannot let his foot off the gas. He has to keep doing that. Yeah. You were right earlier when you said Hermanson, uh, you know, gave up, uh, which he shouldn't have. He should have just kept out of all five rounds. And, you know, yep. that's the way he was going to win that fight. Uh, even if a guy stuffs you five times, six times, eight times, just keep at it. Uh, yep. that's, you're right. Whitaker's got to do that. Uh, Adesanya showed that with Blahovich. He was not able to win the fight. Obviously, Blahovich was a bigger man, but um, yeah. you know, if Whitaker can get the right leverage, uh, be able to get there, you know, get on top of him in the proper way, uh, he should be able to, you know, win some rounds, ground grinding him out and stuff. 
And I think uh, that is the recipe for his success. So we'll see if Whitaker um, and his uh, training camp and partners uh, are able to get the right game plan. I'd love to see it to be a good fight. Uh, he did give him, uh, you know, some pretty, pretty good competitive, uh, competitive fight last time. But um, yeah, nobody has really uh, threatened Adesanya very much. So um, yeah, I'm expecting Adesanya to keep continue the belt, but we'll see what Whitaker is able to bring. Yeah, we'll see what he, uh, the new wrinkles to the game that Whitaker is able to bring this time around against Israel Adesanya. Like, I think he's going to have to try different techniques, different takedowns, trips, judo throws, single legs, double legs, chain them together. He's going to have to do all of these things mm -hmm. continuously for five rounds. Whitaker's uh, gas tank, his endurance, his stamina better be at peak, peak, peak levels right. if he wants to fight like that for five rounds. Yeah. Uh, the co-main event should be a fun fight. Uh, we've got two bangers. Uh, Derek Lewis loves to knock guys out, and Ty Tuivasa loves to do his shoeies, and uh, would love to do one after uh, KO and the Black Beast. Uh, I think the Black Beast is is uh, on a different level than Tuivasa, but um, this should be uh, entertaining enough to for us to see a knockout for sure. I think this is probably going to be the most entertaining fight on the card. Nice. I, I honestly do. I think both men are just both men have power. Uh, Derek Lewis having more power, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is going to be the most entertaining fight because two of Austin doesn't back up to nobody. He's coming there to fight. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this plays out, but I think somebody is getting knocked out in this particular fight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see Jared Cannon here against Derek Brunson. That'll be a hell of a fight too. Bobby green. Love him. Uh, one of the most entertaining fighters in the UFC. Just loves his style and the way he goes about it. Uh, we get to see the old veteran, Andre Arlovsky, on the featured prelim fight. Uh, and, yeah, there's there's a lot of good fights. Uh, we've got prelims, early prelims, and the main card uh, fully stacked. Hopefully, we won't see any fights fall off uh, from COVID or missing weight. But, uh, yeah, um, USC 271 should be really fun. This uh, this coming week from the Toyota Center. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. And then also, too, I just wanted to point out one fight in particular on the early prelims. I can't believe this fight is actually on the early prelims. Is the Alexander Hernandez, Alexander the Great, against Renato Moicano. Yeah. Big time fight. Nice. That's one to keep your eye on. That's going to be a big time fight. Yeah. And most people don't tune into the early prelims, so make sure you do. Uh, you're going to miss a hell of a fight. And uh, there's so many great guys coming up through the Dana White Contender Series. We're getting to see a lot of great fighters. And, and yeah, like that, these are, those are not actually uh, young prospects. Hernandez and Moicano have been around a while. Uh, not sure why they've fallen down to the early prelims, but uh, maybe the UFC is trying to make sure people watch from right from the beginning. Yep, I think that's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do because that's a doozy. That actually is a fight that could easily have been on the main card. Yeah, easy. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, okay, why don't we uh, finish it off by uh, talking about some NBA? We've had uh, a few big trades happen in the NBA over the last few days. Uh, the big trade that happened just before the weekend was. 
Uh, the Portland Trailblazers doing a big salary dump, getting Norman Powell and Robert Covington off the books, bringing in Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round pick. Uh, winner hands down with this trade with the Clippers. Um, can't believe they're able to get uh, Covington and Norm Powell there. Um, Norm Powell, when he got traded from Toronto to Portland for Gary Trent Jr., everybody thought, wow, that's a, a really good, uh, solid trade for both, guys, for both teams and uh, very smart. I think Norm Powell will fit in really well with Dame Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum. I think they'll be great. He's done nothing but really good things since he's been there, but uh, his $18 million contract a year had pushed them over the luxury tax. They didn't want to pay it. So ship him out the door Do start this rebuild around Dame. And uh, yeah, the Clippers are the benefactors of it. Yes. The Clippers are de definitely the benefactors of it. Um, it's, this is clearly a salary dump. Um, I think, as you've said, obviously Dame is on the shelf with his abdominal uh, after his abdominal surgery He's most likely not coming back for the rest of the year, along with a like a bunch of other players that are injured at this moment in time. It looks like they're going to be playing for um, uh, draft position at this moment in time, right? So their 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 season is kind of over. And also, too, if you looked at the Portland Trailblazers roster construction, it wasn't built for Dame to win, right? It just wasn't. So let's uh, try this again. Let's go from the top down and let's try to get this guy a team that he can win with because he deserves that. Yeah. Absolutely deserves that. Uh, CJ McCollum is rumored to be on the move next. Uh, both Dallas and New Orleans are the uh, most interested, uh, supposedly. Um, he's he, he's due to make almost $70 million over the next two seasons. So uh, there needs to be teams with some salary cap uh, or some really big salaries coming the other way. Uh, yeah, it's a big ticket. Uh, great guard, but $70 million is a lot of money to pay a guy coming in for the next two years. Yeah, $70 million And also, too, a guard that has obviously great offensive skills but is slightly lacking on the defensive end, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then they say expect uh, Yusuf Nurkic to uh, be on the move as well. And we'll see, uh, yeah, where the interest is with him. Uh, I think, yeah, they, uh, they've they decided that um, Anfermi Simons uh, is the guy that they want to uh, put a lot of attention to. Uh, he's a re restricted free agent in the summer. Uh, he emerged this year as a really, really promising piece. He's had a phenomenal year. I don't think they expected him to jump up so early and be this guy to take over Norm Powell's position and to be able to uh, be one of the key pieces. But, uh, yeah, he's been great this year. Uh, I, I think, as I said, unexpected from that organization as well as most around the NBA. The signs were there that he could potentially be very good. And now that he is getting the playing time, he's getting the chance to show what he's got, uh, he, and he's showing it. He's showing it. So I think going forward, yeah, him um, uh, teamed up with Dame in the backcourt. I think that's going to be a win. Yeah. Really good. 
Uh, I mentioned Gary Trent Jr. being uh, what the Raptors were able to get when they traded Norm Powell. Uh, he came out, uh, uh, or his father actually just came out this week and said that his son was really sad and depressed playing in Portland. He was not a happy guy there. He uh, was uh, just thrilled when he finally went to Toronto. And uh, the Raptors have been just blown away by what he's brought them. Uh, he had five straight games with more than 35 points uh, in the, the past uh, week and a half. And uh, he stepped up and been uh, probably, you know, their best, their best guy uh, in the, over the past uh, few weeks here. And uh, he's really uh, carved himself a great role with the Raptors. He's, he's gotten a chance to spread his wings, so to speak. And uh, he's been given the green light to just go for it. And like Nick Nurse trusts him, clearly trusts him. Yeah. And so when you have your head coach that has your back like that, like, hey, the world's your oyster. All you got to do is go and seize the opportunity, which he has done. A couple of other Raptors news. Uh, Pascal Siakam was named the Eastern, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He led them to four wins over five days, averaged 25 points, 10 and a half rebounds, five assists and two steals. And he's just one of only five players in the whole league currently averaging uh, more than 20 points, eight rebounds, and five assists uh, for a stat line. Uh, incredible that he's been able to bounce back and, and play so well and, and has had a really remarkable bounce back year. Yeah. Like you, I look at the Raptors and I, I think to myself, maybe they're just a few trades away from just going right back to where they were. Yeah. to being like a powerhouse in the East. They got pieces there. They clearly yeah. have pieces in place. You just need a couple more fine-tuned, a couple tweaks here and there, and I think they're going to be right back to being a powerhouse again in the East. Yeah. They seem like they're close. Uh, oh, and uh, Fred Van Vliet was selected to, the, to appear in his first All-Star game, um, oh. and uh, he was also tapped to compete in the three-point contest. So watch for that uh, on the 20th, uh, February 20th, when that comes together. Um, yeah, great great for him to see him emerge. Uh, one of, I think uh, he's one of only four players in NBA history to make the All-Star game being an undrafted player. Yeah, yeah, and that's amazing. That's amazing. Four guys. There's only four guys. In the entirety of the NBA, that's not a lot of people. And Fred Van Vliet is one of them. And I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. This is not his last All-Star game that he's going to be a part of. Yeah. There's going to be many more in that man's future. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Uh, it's great that he's been able to emerge. And uh, Kyle Lowry gave him a shout-out, said, uh, yeah, there's my guy. That's the guy that I, I mentored. Uh, very proud. Uh, to see, uh, yeah, Freddie keep emerging and being one of the, the top uh, backcourt players in the league. Uh, okay, uh, there was another big trade that that went down yesterday. Uh, it, went, it went down about 90 minutes before the Pacers and the Cavaliers were supposed to set, were supposed to play each other. Uh, they made a trade for each other. Karis Levert walked into the arena as the visiting player and came out of the arena as the hometown player. Uh, Karras was picked up by the Cavaliers. They dumped uh, Ricky Rubio, has, who has been 
uh, on the shelf for the entire season um, or not for the entire season, but he has been injured and will be out for the rest of the year. Um, big pickup by Cleveland who has started to emerge as one of the top teams in the East. And now they've got Levert who put up 42 points against Chicago on Friday night. Uh, another big scorer and another really, really big piece for Cleveland who, who really are serious about trying to get an Eastern Conference title again? It, it's it's it might be the missing piece that they were missing, you know. Like Karis LeVert might be literally that guy. Yeah. I think it's a perfect pickup for that team. Like perfect. Mm-hmm. Like and, and on top of that, they really didn't have to give up anything. They got to give up a guy that's not going to play for the rest of the year. No. All right, you can take that dude. Uh, good luck on a. Hey, I wish Ricky Rubio the best. I hope he he, he heals up great. But we're going to take that dude right now. Like, that's, yeah, the Cavs are going to be in a very, very good position for the rest of the year. I, I, I can't wait to see how he melds with that team. I think that's that's as good a pickup as I've seen ever. Yeah. Great. Was, yeah, Kudos maybe, to that yeah. team. They're, uh, they're seven and three in their last 10. They're only uh, a half a game behind Milwaukee for second place, tied with the Bulls for third, only a game and a half behind the Heat for first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, that, that team has had an absolutely remarkable turnaround. And uh, yeah, uh, Karis LeVert and Darius Garland are. Are uh, you know looking great after Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio were hurt? You were like, "Uh oh, what are they going to do?" And uh, Garland has stepped up, uh, and and now they've got Lavert. Uh, I can I can see, yeah, uh, in you know an incredible run for this Cavs team, and uh, uh, Indy uh, Indy looks like they're uh, they've definitely given up on the season. They are nineteen and thirty six. <laughs> Getting Levert gone, uh, supposedly Sabonis and Miles Turner on the block as well. Uh, they're going to clean house and uh, decide to uh, rebuild there. Yeah, that's a good idea. They should start the idea of retooling or just retool completely because whatever they're trying to do ain't working. <laughs> it clearly is not working. So no. it's trying to restart. They've had 14 losses since January 1st, and the only team that has been just as bad is the Brooklyn Nets. 14 losses in the new year, uh, eight straight for Brooklyn, eight straight losses for a team that was expected to win the NBA championship this year. Uh, Kyrie Irving has definitely not helped uh, on the win column. Uh, he's coming in to, um, yeah, help out. Uh, obviously, with KD out, James Harden has been hurt, uh, but Kyrie can't, uh, yeah, can't pull out these victories for this team. He's only playing on the road still, but uh, yeah, to see how the mighty have fallen, this is crazy. Well, here's the problem: KD got hurt, and that's the problem. <laughs> If that guy didn't get hurt, these losses wouldn't be happening. But he got hurt, and now Harden is just like, yeah, that dude that's like our part-time player. Yeah, I didn't sign up for this either. Um, I'm I'm super surprised that the Nets aren't willing to deal him because I believe at the end of this year he has the option to opt out of his contract, which I think he's definitely going to do 
because he's just like, well, this is not going to work for me. I'm out of here. See you later. And so then the Nets give up the right to get anything for him, anything, which I think, I don't know, that doesn't really make too much sense to me, but hey, that's their organization. They run it the way they like. I saw a press conference with Steve Nash uh, over the weekend, and he was asked uh, if uh, James Harden is um, on the trade block. He said, no, absolutely not. He wants to stay here. We want him here. Uh, But the rumors about him going to Philly for Simmons are just continually swirling, swirling, swirling. Um, Harden has looked disinterested and not wanting to be there. I think it would be crazy not to deal him now if he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, you know, Steve said he does, but I don't know. Maybe he's saying one message to Steve and another message to everybody else because he doesn't look like he wants to be there anymore. You might as well deal him, get Simmons. Simmons will take a little bit to get going, but he can bring something that Harden's not bringing, some defensive responsibility and things like that. Yeah, and, um, yeah they're, they're just sinking like a stone. They're seventh place, and uh, – Eight losses in a row, uh, worst team in basketball right now. Uh, you got to do something to shake up this mix. Oh, they, they should do something. I, I'm just, I don't know what's, obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I, I'm wondering why the organization feels that so confident that the man wants to stay. Yeah. Where if you look at his play, it's saying something completely different. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it looks like to me that he doesn't want to be there. Like he no. literally doesn't want, want to be there. And I think for the promises he was probably made and then how everything's turned out because, well, nobody expected a pandemic to break out as he was there in Brooklyn. I'm sure he didn't. But just the way it has played out now, you're just like, ah, I don't think I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah, Kyrie's definitely, uh, you know, changed this whole entire dynamic. It seemed like, uh, you know, they had this incredible three-headed monster that uh, nobody was going to be able to topple. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's rough there. It's not going well, and uh, there needs to be something changed, or or they might just sink right out of even a you know, play-in spot. Uh, it's, it's ugly. Um, let's switch to the West and just talk a little bit about the top teams. Uh, Suns and Warriors continue uh, playing incredibly well. Uh, both won nine of their last ten. Warriors on a nine-game winning streak, uh, separating themselves from the rest of the league, rest of the conference for sure. Uh, yeah, they're just rolling along and looking like, you know, they definitely should be the two teams uh, that face each other in the Western Conference Final. It doesn't look like, unless some big moves are made, Anybody else really has a shot at toppling uh, either one of these guys? Yeah. Um, And on top of that, for the Warriors at least, like Steph is going through, I think, quote unquote, a shooting slump. And they're still 9 and 1. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the team is that good. And Clay is still trying to play into the Clay Thompson that we're used to. We saw a flash of that. The game before where he went eight for 11, which was amazing. Like that's the clay that we know he's right there. And once those guys get on top of their game and and they're they're still nine and one and they're still trying to get their game going. Once that actually happens. Yeah. 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 That's, that's going to be a problem for the rest of the league. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it sure will be. And uh, yeah, it's incredible to watch. Uh, I, I've loved watching the Grizzlies this, this year. John Morant, that team's great, but they're, uh, they're five and a half, uh, four and a half games behind the Warriors. And, and, you know, they're, they're solidly in third place, but, you know, definitely not in the same class. Uh, it's funny to see the fourth place team in the conference, 11 games back. Uh, uh, you know, that's amazing. And, and then we're dropping down 12, 14, 15, you know, 20 games back going down. That's uh, amazing how these two teams at the top are going on such a run and nobody, nobody's even close to keeping pace with them. No, they're the two teams are the cream of the crop. I firmly believe that those are the two teams that you'll see in the Western Conference Finals. And that might be your quote-unquote actual finals. I don't know who's coming out of the East, but it really looks like at this point in time, whoever makes it out of the West is going to win. Yeah. That's what it looks like right now. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, this was fun. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more trades. Uh, We've got the deadline coming up on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, there'll be lots for us to break down next week. And uh, that'll be the teams that... Uh, yeah, start emerging as the powerhouses and the the, the ones that will get left behind and that will be in the draft lottery. Uh, right now, the Clippers and the Lakers look destined to be in that play-in game, the eight and nine, <laughs> the eight and nine play-in wow. game that uh, the Warriors and the Lakers were in last year. Uh, the yep. Battle of L.A. down at the bottom, that's going to be kind of funny to watch. Yep, yep. That Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought with the way that these rosters were constructed that those two would be battling it out to just get into the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, yeah. But big move by the Clippers getting Karis LeVert uh, and Robert Covington. Uh, yeah, that should uh, help them win some games and uh, start chipping away, getting going up the Western Conference. So, um, yeah, I didn't hear a... Uh, I didn't hear a quote uh, from your favorite movie tonight. Uh, anything come to mind during this podcast? You know what? It's one of those things. You can't rush it. It's just okay. going to come off. It's going to come off the cuff. Okay. Maybe the next one. I'm, I'm just going to leave uh, the listeners in suspense for the next time it happens. Sounds and good. it will, will be a next time. I promise you that. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, We'll, we'll name the segment the Shawshank Redemption segment. Uh, we'll, have, we'll get some sponsor with it, and we'll we'll get you some great quotes coming in every week. But we'll keep everybody in suspense for one more week. Uh, one more week. We'll have, we'll have a new Shawshank Redemption segment coming up. <laughs> yes, it's coming. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, that was fun as always, man. Uh, barely saw you today. But uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of each other this week. Uh, Looking forward to it. Uh, Super Bowl coming up, USC 271. Pretty slow weekend this past weekend in sports, but next weekend is is the big one of the biggest uh, weekends of the calendar year for sports. Yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to an excellent Super Bowl to cap off an excellent year of NFL. And, uh, Looking forward to seeing like uh, the pay-per-view of Izzy and Whitaker going, getting after it and seeing who could come out on top. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Let's see Joe Burrow uh, smoke some cigars and have some dance moves after this. And, and uh, yeah, turn around the, 
the Bungles franchise. Uh, if they can finally win a Super Bowl, maybe nobody's going to be able to call them the Bungles no more. Yeah, that, that would be uh, the icing on the cake for Joe Burrow, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, man, well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, yeah, lots of football, lots of basketball going on. Things to watch, and uh, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow. See you bright and early tomorrow, my friend. Take it easy. Cheers. Night. Good night. Night. Okay. Well, we've come to an end of another fantastic podcast. Uh, Jason uh, brightens up every Monday. Great to see him. I'm glad you guys get to see him as well. Not just me and uh, our coworkers. Uh, we get to shoot them all across uh, the world, North America and the world. I've got some great listeners in Australia, got listeners across the U.S., Canada, and uh, other countries too. So uh, welcome to you guys. I hope you love Jason as much as we do. I want to thank our partners and sponsors. I want to start off with Anchor. Uh, anchor Anchor.fm is the easiest place to make a podcast. Fantastic partner for us. So we've loved having them. They are so great at sharing on multiple podcasting platforms for us. And uh, we couldn't do what we do and reach as many people as we do without their help. Thanks so much. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance and value. And the V350 stick is a must have for any hockey player in your family. Uh, We have Pampas and Possibilities, designers of, of curated west coast pretty things that you can put in your home and spruce it up make it look really great and impress your friends and family and of course forever living the aloe vera company for health and beauty products Uh, go to our website and you can purchase products for any of our partners and sponsors at reduced rates because you're friends of the complete sports media uh, family so uh, go to Complete Media Network. We've got a lot of fantastic content there. And uh, as I said, we've got some really great upcoming guests. Uh, we've got um, Cameron Klo from the Concept Neon going to tell us to talk to us about the amazing world of neon products. And Jeremy Smith, uh, the keyboardist from Black Mountain. Uh, they haven't been touring as much, obviously, with covid but uh, gearing up for a tour coming up with Primus. Uh, if you guys remember that great band from the 90s and beyond, uh, uh, it's going to be super fun for them to go on tour. I, I think they did some tour dates with them before and uh, excited and looking forward to that again. So uh, keep tuned in. As always, uh, tell your friends, tell your family, and uh, love you lots. Uh, thanks to everybody that contributed and helped out with the podcast and uh we'll see you one week from tonight we'll be breaking down the super bowl 56 it's gonna be great and uh ufc 170 uh 271 what am i talking about 271 uh will there be a new champion or will israel adesanya continue to have his belt uh make sure you tune in next week and we'll give you all the details take care of yourself love you lots bye for now